have, we are blessed to live in America. I'm afraid, Father, that we often have, rec- we have received the blessings of generations before us as they have walked in righteousness and honesty and integrity. And we're, we think sometimes that that is our blessing, but rather it is simply handed down to us because of the decisions of our fathers. And Father, we in this day want to go astray because we think that we are still being blessed because of how or what we are doing and not understanding that it is the blessing of our fathers upon our lives. But Father, we want to be blessed by you ourselves. Not because of blessing for blessing's sake, but because we want to know that our fellowship with you is what you would desire. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of pride from our hearts tonight. I bind the spirit of, of, of false doctrine that would seek to take us and lead us back to the world away from Jesus Christ. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth tonight. That we would look at your word in a uh, complete spectrum that we would understand what it is what christian liberty is all about in jesus name we pray amen you may be seated this verse talks about the mirror and how many of us have ever looked into the mirror and saw something we didn't like. But that way, yet we can go out and we can quickly forget what we saw that we didn't like. Isn't that true? For example, we can go to the mirror and make ourselves look good, but we forgot to do something that, oh, i got to fix that hair sticking straight up. And we go out and we act confident in public, forgetting that that hair is sticking straight up. The Bible says that there are times where we look into the Word of God is, is, is a summary of it. And we look into the Word of God and the Word of God shows us something, but we can go away from it forgetting what He showed us and that there was something we need to work on. And this verse is specifically talking about liberty. There's a foundation here, and the Bible calls it the law of liberty. In our day and age in which we live, our churches are going rampantly towards something they call Christian liberty. And what they are doing is they are saying we live in the New Testament. We are not under the law. Therefore, these things don't apply to us. And I want us to see from the Bible, I I came across this passage of Scripture and it dawned on me because the Bible says, He that looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Somebody tell me what perfect in this sense means. What The English word in 1611, in 1828, and it's only recently that we think of it a little differently, but if you look in a dictionary, what does the word perfect mean? Complete. Mature. It doesn't mean without error in a sense. The Bible says, be therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is also perfect. It doesn't say, be like God isn't that you're without sin. 
It's saying be complete, be well-rounded, be mature spiritually. Love people with a complete love. So when the Bible says, he that looketh into the perfect law of liberty, what it means is, look at liberty in the Bible, not one verse, but all the verses, and find out what the balance of Christian liberty is. Let me say this, the Word of God, this is, this is actually, a, this statement came from Brother Patrick, who some of you know, he's, God willing, going to be a missionary to Germany soon. And we were, Brother Patrick and I were talking about it because people were saying, you can only preach like from verse 14 to verse 18, verse 20, you have to preach horizontally in the Bible. And Brother Patrick said, I believe the Bible lines up horizontally, uh, vertically, sorry, you can only preach vertically. He said, I believe the Bible lines up vertically and horizontally. In other words, you can take a passage of Scripture and go through that chapter and get a lot of good doctrine, but you also have to take that chapter, whatever it's talking about, and compare it with everywhere else in the Bible that it talks about that subject. And then you get a complete, rounded, perfect doctrine. And so I came to this scripture and it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, look up liberty in the Bible and see what God says about liberty. Because it says, he that looketh into the complete law, the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein. So I look at it and I see what God says and I follow that. This man shall be blessed in his deed. Now, I think it's vital that we point out that when God says blessed, that doesn't mean man is going to see as blessed. The, man, the lost man that doesn't have spiritual eyes, he can't always see what God's blessing is. We often have a hard time understanding and seeing what God's blessing is. I think we understand that if we, we see that the Bible says Jesus said to Mary, the angel said to Mary, thou art blessed among women. But Mary's life from that day on would not have been blessed in the eyes of man. Man and woman alike from that day forward looked upon Mary in a very negative, disgusting, disdainful way. But in God's eyes, she was blessed. And so as a Christian, when God says blessed, we have to understand, we, we, live, in a, we live in an affluent America and we equate affluency with blessing. We really live in prosperity gospel, even though we don't preach it in our independent Baptist churches. Because as soon as the finances maybe are taken away, we think, what, God, what is wrong? That doesn't mean God has taken his blessing upon your life because you don't have finances. Paul said, I am instructed to be hungry. He was a godly man. But God did it for specific reasons. So let us understand when God's blessing is upon our life, it doesn't mean, number one, that we understand or we feel blessed. And number two, it doesn't mean that man, especially natural man, but sometimes good meaning Christian men are going to look at us and say, that man's blessed. But when we know God's blessing is upon us, we can go through a lot of difficulties because we know God's favor is upon our life. And so if we look at this perfect law of liberty, which is becoming very unpopular today, we can take a little bit of criticism for living according to God's way, but still do it in a joyful way because we know we are blessed by God for doing things His way. Let me say this. Liberty, this is not one of the main points, it's the introduction. Liberty is for those who seek God. It's for those who seek God. 
Let's turn to Psalms chapter 119, verse 45. We're going to look at some verses tonight. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 45. Psalms 119, 45 says, I will walk at liberty. Why? For I seek thy precepts. What is it that allows us as Christians to walk at liberty? when we seek God's precepts. What we're finding in our churches today is we're saying we don't want to seek God's precept because I'm at liberty. <laughs> I don't have to do these things. That is not what God says. God says we walk at liberty when we seek God's precepts. Who else? What is who is liberty for? Liberty is for those who are bound. The Bible said of Jesus in, in Isaiah chapter 61 that he would sit at liberty Certain people, those who are bound specifically. What is liberty, Christian liberty about? It is about lose, leasing us, loosing us from Satan, sin, and self to serve God. I am at liberty to be loosed from myself, my sin, to serve God and Satan. And also, and if we look at it, we will find out it is from, also from, the fear of man. It is from doing what we do to please man. We need to be freed from that bondage because we want to serve God. Now, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And we have a preacher here, thank God, that is following Christ. And so we can please him as we're pleasing God, but there are times where we can want to please man more than we want to please God. And that's not Christian liberty, because we are searching for God. Let me give you some simple points tonight, just going through some verses to find what is complete liberty, what is the perfect law of liberty. Number one, liberty is not to bring a stumbling block. Our Christian liberty is not to bring a stumbling block. There are two words that we'll find tonight, two Greek words translated liberty, and one of them means the power of choice, the power of authority, because as a child of God, Romans, uh, Romans tells us that, talks about the glorious liberty of the sons of God. When I become a son of God, I have some power, I have some authority as a son of God that the people of this world that are not Christ don't have. And I, with that authority, have to be careful how I live and use that authority. And this verse specifically talks about the power of choice, the authority that I have. What am I to do with it as a Christian? Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians chapter eight and verse nine. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours, this power of choice, become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Take heed. Lest this, by any means, this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. In context, he's talking about things offered to idols. Specifically, he's talking about meats and what meats can be eaten and what meats can be eaten. And Paul is basically saying that 
this, as far as meats go, as long as I eat it with thanksgiving, there's nothing unlawful for us as New Testament believers to eat. But he's clarifying and saying, well, take heed, lest this liberty, this power of choice that you have as a born-again believer, as a child of God, it should not be used to make a stumbling block to them that are weak. So number one, as a Christian, the complete law of liberty says, the power of choice that I have, the authority that I have as a child of God, should not become a stumbling block to those who are weak. I should be conscious of others around me and how they view things. There are certain things that are not unlawful for me, but I know that maybe this brother is weaker in this area, and therefore I don't, don't, don't tempt him or be a stumbling block to him in this area. I think of the time, for example, I was in Ghana, and I, I wanted to take Brother John, who saw, you guys saw the video of him singing, I want to go to heaven when I die. Brother John was an alcoholic, and he struggled with it for a long, long time, and he got victory over it, and he's had victory for quite a few, some years now, and, and he, but it was a very big struggle to him, and I wanted to take him one day, I was going to get him some fufu. You don't know what fufu it is, but Brother Josh does, and as long as it doesn't have fish scales, and it tastes pretty good, amen? <laughs> and I wanted to take us and get him some fufu. And we are, this place, I saw this place, had never been there. I just thought it looked like a good place to go, and I thought I can treat Brother John. And we pulled up there, and Brother John read something on the sign, and he said, I can't go in there. I said, why, Brother John? To me, it didn't dawn upon me because it wasn't something I was weak in, but they had a place inside of this place that sold alcohol. And John said, if I go in there, it's a temptation to me. Now, I could sit there and tell John, look, John, if we're not drinking, there's nothing wrong with it, so don't tell me we can't go in there. Because I have that liberty, but knowing that if I walk in those doors, I may send John back to the very sin that he was delivered from, I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of my brother. So I said, John, it's fine. We will not go in there. And I have not been back to that place, even though I don't feel like for myself it would be a sin. I have not been back to the place because I don't want to put a stumbling block in John's way. And so I, as a Christian... Under, I'm under liberty, but my liberty should never put a stumbling block in front of a weaker brother. Number two, liberty, Christian liberty, is freedom from the yoke of bondage. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, I want us to put Galatians in context here. Galatians is where Paul went to Galatia. He preached the gospel to the people of Galatia. Many of them trusted Jesus Christ. It was simply by faith in Jesus Christ alone that they said, I have salvation. Paul left. There were some Jewish believers that came and began to tell them, if you, you're not a Christian unless you're circumcised. And if you're not circumcised, you are not a Christian. And so Paul is telling these people that you don't have to follow the law of Moses in order to keep your salvation. That is the liberty he's talking about. He's saying we as New Testament believers don't have to be put under the bondage of the Old Testament law. Now, there is so much I could say on that. I haven't taught on that at this at all, but there is, that does not mean that we as New Testament Christians 
don't have any laws. As a matter of fact, there's something that we won't discuss tonight. Maybe in the future there's something called the law of the Spirit. Have you heard that term? It's in the New Testament in Romans. The law of the Spirit. And the law of the Spirit is the Spirit always takes us higher and keeps us higher than the Old Testament law ever did. So we're not saying that we don't have any laws. In our Paul said, I, as, with, as, as those who are without the law, I'm without the law. To those who are with the law, I'm with law. But I am not without law unto Christ. There's still a law. And that is the law of the Spirit of God. He, the Bible says in the New Testament, His law is written in our hearts. Good. Okay, so what we're saying here, though, is as a New Testament believer, and you'll be surprised, but this is something that is coming. In fact, when I was just home, I found out some of the people that I, that I, that I used to know fairly well and that were in good churches are now out of churches because they are Jews. And they're trying to keep the Old Testament law. Now, there's parts of the Old Testament law, they're, 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 Jesus Christ fulfilled them. And the ceremony law in particular, and this is part of it. Okay, but this particular law, the law of circumcision, was a covenant law between Abraham and God. The children of Abraham and God. It doesn't apply to us. So Paul is saying, hey, if you're under liberty in Christ, you don't have to do those Old Testament laws to stay saved. And I'm telling you tonight that while we follow the law of the Spirit, the law of Jesus Christ... Our salvation is not determined by keeping the law. We are under liberty in away from the law of Moses. Okay, so it is freedom from bondage. And that word liberty there is the other word I was talking about, and it means to live as we should. He said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. What, it, what does that word mean? Stand fast in that you should be able to live as you should for God and not be under the yoke of bondage. Number three, liberty is not for pleasing the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. The error that we are finding in our churches today, and I've, I, I've seen it. I don't have, personally have a Facebook account. Our mission has a Facebook account, although I probably put something on there about six months ago. But once in a while, my wife will show me some people we used to go to school with, and they'll talk about this liberty they're under, that they were so oppressed before, but now they've had this liberty. And usually somewhere in that statement, they say something like this. I feel so good it feels so good to be at this liberty my friend if it feels good to our flesh we might want to question it this verse says we are under liberty only it's not for an occasion to the flesh when somebody tells me, when I, when I, I sometimes uh, my, my good friends and, and some of them are going this direction and I'll, I'll, I'll discuss things with them. And, and when somebody tells me, don't tell me I have to do this or I can't do that. I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm under grace. I'm under liberty. Then the question is, are you seeking God or are you seeking to be able to do what you want to do? 
Because you're not telling me God has asked me to do this or told me to do this. You're saying, don't tell me what I can and can't do because I'm a New Testament Christian. Liberty is to seek God, not to do what I want to do. Christian liberty is not for pleasing the flesh. So if we say I can do this because I want to do it, it makes me feel good and you can't tell me I can't, let's question that because that it probably is using liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Number four, the law of liberty judges but with mercy. The law of liberty judges but with mercy. Why, why, am I, why, why is this important? Because along with this trend towards grace and liberty, which are biblical doctrines but they're being taken to an extreme, along with this trend it is don't judge me. Don't judge me. Or, I like Pastor so-and-so because he never judges anybody. Wait a second. Is that biblical? I know it makes us feel good. <laughs> we all like to be around the person that always makes us feel good. But it's sometimes very important that we're around the person that will make us feel bad to help us get to the right place in our Christian life. I am thankful when I can go to a church and sometimes I sit there and squirm and be like, ooh, I don't like this preaching because it is refining me because I am a fleshly, carnal, wicked, sinful man. And I need for God to continue to put me on the right path. I need friends that will tell me. I, I'm thinking of a time in Ghana where I didn't, I, 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 we had a situation in our church and this man that I had a difficulty with sat down with me and another missionary who was a good friend and I knew he would give me his honest opinion and my missionary friend rebuked me and said, Pastor Mike, I hate to do this because you're my friend, but you are wrong. And then I had to make a decision. Do I swallow my pride and accept it, or do I say, no, I am right? I'm thankful that I had a friend that came up to me in a time where I made a wrong decision, and he rebuked me. He, made, he passed judgment upon me that kept me from going down a path of pride. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.1 that judgment must begin at the house of God. That's not Old Testament. That's New Testament. Judgment must begin at the house of God. And so when we look into the law of liberty, there is judgment, but it's with mercy. Let's look at it. James chapter 2 and verse 12. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged, here's that phrase again, by the law of liberty. Next verse. For, here's the law of liberty here. For he shall be, have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So here we're instructed not that there is no judgment, but that when we do judge, we have mercy and judgment. Why? Because all of us are receiving mercy in the judgment that God should have upon us. And so I should recognize that I have God judges me for my sin. He chastises me for my sin. Thank God he chastises me. That is the way I know I'm a son. 
when God starts stops chastising me, when I start going down the wrong path and I don't see anything coming, it should concern me that, God, what's going on? Because if, you, if I'm your son and I'm searching for you, I should receive chastisement to keep me on that right path because you love me. So there is judgment, but it is with mercy. So let us all remember, we're not to go around like the Old Testament. You know one of the big differences in the Old Testament is the Old Testament they were under the letter of the law, and they were required under the law, as soon as you see somebody wrong, take them to the priest and say, judge them. We, under the New Testament, are at liberty to help our brothers in love. We can go to God and say, help this person, but I go to them in love. Instead of taking them for judgment, I go to them in love and say, brother, please turn back off the path you're on. Please humble yourself. Please Repent of this sin. That's part of what our church is all about. One of my good missionary friends in Ghana, he said, if any of us is above questioning, then we are too high. He said, Mike, he said, if I can't come to you and question you about anything in your marriage, in your ministry, in your life, and if you can't come to me and question me, then we are too proud and we're going to fall. Because that's what Christian brothers do. We love each other. Christian sisters. When I say brothers, I mean all of us. So there is judgment, but it's with mercy. And I, that's important because we have to understand in the New Testament church, there is supposed to be just judgment. And when we come to the place in our churches where judgment is looked down upon and ridiculed and scorned, when the Bible specifically says judgment should begin at the house of God, we're in danger. We're in danger. Number five, the law of liberty doesn't use liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. I'm going to explain that word, but let's read it first. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. As free, so we are free in Christ, and not using your liberty for a cloak of of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. What does that mean? Maliciousness is this, covering up, breaking the law. That's literally what maliciousness means. You can look it up. Maliciousness is where I'm breaking the law, but I cover it up. And God says, don't use your liberty as a cloak or something that covers the fact that you're breaking God's laws. What I am seeing and what scares me is many of my friends, they're going down a path where they're breaking God's law and they're saying, I am at liberty. They are using it maliciously. They are frustrating grace of God. God's grace is meant so that when we try and earnestly and we make a mistake, he gives us another chance, not so that I can say I can do as I please. The law of liberty doesn't use liberty as a cloak of maliciousness or to cover for breaking God's laws. I'm hurrying. The second part of that, so 5A was that, 5B is the law of liberty is for serving God. 
The second part of that verse says what? But as the servants of God. I am at liberty to serve God. Liberty simply means I'm free from Satan, I'm free from self, I'm free from my sin so that I can serve others. I'm free from man controlling me so that I, am, I have at liberty to serve God. I'm free from the fear of man so that I have the fear of God. Because often man and God don't agree. And if I fear man more than God, I will do what man wants, not what God wants. And so I am at liberty to serve God. You know, I, here, here's an example. And, and Brother Josh, you went to our churches. Is the church in Ghana, do, do we do everything just like the church here? No, it's very different. Would you say it's unbiblical? No. There is some liberty there that according to the culture and according to the people, as long as it's not unscriptural, we have some liberty to, to serve God. But if it becomes unscriptural, then we're not using our liberty properly. I'm going to Germany this week. When I go to the church there, it's going to be different than Ghana. It's going to be different than here. As long as it's not undoctrinally and not unscriptural, that's liberty. We are free to serve God. Paul said, I'm all things to all men that I might win some. But I'm not without law unto Christ. Number six, liberty doesn't allure through the lust of the flesh. This is very important. Peter gives us a prophecy in 2 Peter. And I believe he was prophesying about our day right now. Let's look at it and see. 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter, chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 18. There's, there's more to it, but for time's sake, we'll read part of it. You can be, please read more of it later and get a better understanding of it. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, this is talking about preachers here, leaders of people. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, what does that mean? That means puffed up words that are empty. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. That means they're not making people aren't content with what they have. Those that are were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Here's what Peter's saying. There are men, there's going to be men, there's going to be preachers, that they're going to speak great, beautiful, puffed up, sounds good words that really are empty. And those words are going to draw people through the lust of the flesh. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to promise those people liberty. But what's going to happen is this. These people, many of them that they're drawing... 
have been saved, not only have they been saved, but they have been separated from the world. They have come out and become separate. And they have come away from a lot of the errors of the ways of the world. But these preachers, by promising them liberty, are going to bring them back to worldliness and that bondage that comes from worldliness. That is where we are, my friends. I have many friends that used to be separated Christians. They had come out of the world, and now they're back, and it's because of liberty. And God says it's going to be worse for them the second time. When they go back in, it's going to be worse and harder for them to come out than it was the first time. And that is the age in which we are living. So it's important for us as Christians to look into the complete law of liberty and say this is what liberty is and this is what it isn't. And let's not make that error of going there. Because number one, God's going to bless us if we continue in that complete law of liberty. And while we may look at those who are outside of it and say it seems like God is blessing them, my friend, don't Take your physical, natural eyes and decide if somebody is being blessed by God or not. If they are going against what God is warning us of, they are not being blessed by God. They are probably being put in a trap of bondage. And say, even if I don't have what all those others have, I want to know that God's blessing is upon me because I'm continuing in the complete, perfect law of liberty. Number last, number seven, Christian liberty, this is from the same verses, doesn't entangle us in the pollutions of this world. If it takes us back to the pollutions of this world, it's not Christian liberty. Because liberty frees us from Satan, sin, and self. And what is this world all about? Just look at your phone, and half of you will have the right answer. I. Everything's about I. iPhone, iPod, I this, I that, me this. <laughs> all about self. And what was Satan all about? Me. He was willing to damn one-third of the angels to a hell with him because he was about Jesus was about the Father, he was about others, he humbled himself, and he brought salvation. And if you and I are about others rather than ourselves, we will bring salvation to others. But in order to do so, we have to be at liberty. Not to put a stumbling block, not to be in bondage, not to please the flesh, not to judge without mercy, not to cover up for breaking God's laws, not to allure through the flesh or to be polluted of this world, but at liberty to serve God. Let me finish with this. Take it back to the beginning of America. What were they all about? What was America founded upon? Liberty. 
But what was it decided about liberty? That my liberty is only liberty as long as it doesn't infringe upon the liberty of others. If my freedom of choice, of speech, of self, of anything, if that infringes upon somebody else's liberty, that's not what liberty is for. Liberty is I am free to do right. They were at liberty to serve God in what church they wanted, in what congregation, in what denomination. They had the liberty to do that. They didn't have to just believe man when man said this is the way to heaven, but rather King James literally was sending over shiploads of King James Bibles, and they began to read those Bibles and say, hey, the church is telling us a lie. Hey, we want liberty to serve God as God says. That was liberty. Liberty for you and I as a Christian is to do as God asks us to do, but not for what we want. The perfect law of liberty. I want to be blessed, don't you? Let us walk in the perfect law of liberty. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God. It's so complete that, Father, our churches today aren't teaching the Word of God. We want a social club. We want to feel good. We want to go home with bubbly feelings. But Father, I pray that you'd help us to realize that it's not about our feelings, but it's about helping others to be saved. And that often means a cross for self. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand better tonight the law of liberty and to walk, continue in that law. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor. Before we have our invitation out, I would just love for you to think about, imagine before you got saved, you were bound, you were chained, you were handcuffed, you were strapped. When the Spirit of God came in with salvation, all of that fell away. That wasn't so that you could do whatever you want to. God says now you have the power the strength, the ability to serve me where before you couldn't. You have the power, the ability to live for me where before you couldn't. You know, if we could just get to the point where we always said, God, teach me, correct me, mold me, make me every day of my life. Teach me, correct me, mold me, make me. We'll take a few moments for the invitation there. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. And maybe that'd be a prayer that you could have tonight. God, you know, we so much want to be able to do what I want to do. And I want to find a way to make it okay. You know, the truth is, if you just surrender to God, you do what you want to do. It's what God wants. It's what the Spirit of God allows you and leads you and empowers you to do.
You know, I, I don't know if it does to you what it does to me, but I'm, well, we talked about it a little bit, and I just wanted him to preach that message. But the, um, 